0: I was thinking about uh, the message this morning and remembering, uh, I come from a construction background, that one of the most important things on uh, the construction site uh, for a person is called PPE. And PPE is personal protective equipment. Matter of fact, if you don't come with the right PPE, you will get in trouble. So, in other words, you are to have a hard hat, you are to have proper work boots and gloves, and there's all kinds of things because it helps you in the duties that you have to perform and also to keep you safe. Uh, Just imagine, uh, in another scenario, if you're scuba diving and you see someone under the water without scuba gear. Uh, you would find that odd. Every environment and every task calls for proper clothing and proper equipment. You you would not wear shorts and a T-shirt to the North Pole. So one of the things that bothers me, and I was thinking about whether to put this in or not, but it really bothers me, Um, And if you get offended, uh, I don't care. I I don't understand when I go to the store and I see people with pajamas on. I do not own a pair of flip-flops. I don't own a pair of flip-flops. And the reason I don't own a pair of flip-flops is because I'm always ready. I'm always ready for if it's going to go down. (laughs) You're laughing, but if it goes down, the person with flip-flops is at a disadvantage. This morning's sermon is called, Don't Get Ready, Be Ready. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be reading from verse 10 to 18. I'll be reading this morning out of the ESV. And I'd ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10, reads this way Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances take up the shield of faith which, which with which you can extinguish all the fire, the flaming darts of the evil one And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Father, we come to you this day with a great anticipation that you will feed us this day. We ask that we would leave this place more aware, more equipped, more engaged, recognizing what's at stake, fighting the good fight and fighting the right fight. We lay that before you, and we're thanking you in advance, knowing, Father, that you always give your children exactly what they need. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Paul planted the church in Ephesians on his second missionary journey, And on his third missionary journey, he made it a place uh, that he called home for about three years. He actually stayed there longer than he stayed in any other church. It was an important city to the Roman Empire. It was the third largest city. It is today modern-day Turkey. And Paul wrote this letter while he was in a Roman prison. In this letter, he summarizes the gospel, and and then he challenges the Christians to live a gospel-centered life. We can't just talk about it. We got to be about it. A, A big indicator of where you are spiritually will always be your treatment of others. So right before the passage we read, he was speaking about our relationships, relationships to your children, relationships to your spouse, relationships with slaves and masters, which means today, co-workers and your boss and and those that you are in charge over. Those relationships, actually speak a lot about where we are spiritually it ties into how we think how we talk and how we act this portion of scripture uh, reminds them of the the real struggle what the serious problem is and it's not people Uh, It's the spiritual influences behind people. It's calling us here to, to look deeper, to look beyond, to be aware and to be equipped for the real struggle, which is always more than meets the eye. He starts out saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might, not your strength. Your strength can take you but so far, and we've lived life enough to know that even if we're five years old. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Most of us were not raised here in the Poconos, meaning us older folks. Some of us have been, but most of us moved here with a thought of going to some place where we could have a little bit of serenity, where we could have some peace, where we would not be around all the hustle and the bustle. And even here, No matter where you go, know that you are smack dab in the middle of a battle. I I remember when we moved here and talking to Bob 20-something years ago, and it's starting to change around here. I think um, we're going to think about moving again. He said, where are you going to go? He said, wherever you go, you're going to have a battle there. He said, did you ever think for a minute that God brought you here for a purpose? We cannot run from the battle. I don't know what you've been told being a Christian would be like, but far too many people were told that being a Christian would lead to a life of ease. Well, you were sold a bag of goods. It's just not that way. You are actually, when you're in the Christian life, is a full engagement of an active war. It's a struggle. It's a fight. And you may say to yourself, well, in that case, I don't want any parts of that. Well, sorry, doesn't work that way. You are either at war with the devil and at peace with God, or you are working for the devil, being used by the devil, you are engaged in a fight against God, which makes you an enemy of God. And that would be the losing side. The battle is already won. So you don't want to be on that side the enemy knows this and what his aim is to take as many people down with him as possible. So he schemes against you. You see, the way Hollywood portrays demonic activity is very different than how it really is. And you need to know this. So you see commercials with um, movies that are are portraying demonic activity and and demon possession and all of this outward stuff. The enemy actually doesn't usually work that way. He's he's camouflaged. He's, He's luring you into traps. And often he's using people. The thing is, we aren't fighting with those people. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Yes, we are presently in a darkness against evil forces, In the heavenly places. We live in a day where secularism and materialism and moral breakdown and decay are all around us. And we say to ourselves, what should I do? Do I protest? Do I uh, vote for the right person? Is it legislation that's going to fix this? How do we fight? You need to know that behind the lawlessness, behind the moral breakdown is satanic activity. The fight is not with people. The fight is with those agents that are influencing people. If you're fighting people, you are using the wrong weapons, you're using the wrong tactics, and the enemy is still going to be able to knock you down. Second Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3, says this, For we, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ how do you process What's going on in the things that are happening? This is a cosmic fight. It's God against the the little gods that are trying to war. And and people are often used as pawns in a chess match. And people are being used and people are being hurt. And we as believers that God has opened our eyes should have a compassion for the lost. Our eyes should be open because if they don't come to the saving knowledge of Christ, they're going to hell for eternity. Do you care that people are going to hell? See the forces and the influences behind what they're saying and what they're doing. The Bible says that the righteous scarcely are saved. And this is important. Listen to this. Anything that is outside of the will of God is demonic anything that's not how we view it we we look at evil as if it's all of these major things that are taking place it's not only these major things it's anything outside of god's will i'll give you an example in scripture consider this in matthew chapter 16 jesus says to his disciples who do the people say that I am? And they say to him, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he says, well, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said something very interested, Interesting. Blessed are you, Simon bar for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. There was no way that he could make a statement like that unless God gave it to him. And then the scripture goes on to say, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter, the same guy who God gave this revelation to, the the head guy of the disciples, the one who would always speak up, took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Listen to this part. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter's motivation for this not happening to Jesus was love. I love you, Lord. I don't want to hear that. If if you have someone older and they say, Listen, I need you to know where this is and that is in the paperwork because if I leave here and your thought is, I don't want to talk about that. It's inevitable, but I don't want to talk about that because I love you. So, setting your mind on things of man from a human point of view, not God's point of view, is satanic, it's demonic. He said, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. In other words, as well-intentioned as you are, you being in my inner circle. So not only was he a disciple, but anytime time it was this, James and Peter and John, and they would go away with Jesus. So he had a different relationship than he had with the other nine. He was part of that. And he was still used by the enemy, by his heartstrings being pulled in a certain direction, but it ended up being demonic. So don't think that evil and demonic activity are these big things that we see. Yes, that too. But it is anything that goes against the will of God. That should put a different perspective on how you view things, whether it be in your household, whether it be things that we say and do that are outside the will of God. When we're giving someone advice, well, what I would do is we have to be careful. That is demonically influenced if it is outside the will of God. And if we don't catch that, we are getting bamboozled all the time, and it leads to bigger things. Imagine what that little statement really meant to the history of the world with God and his people. You could say something to someone, not think twice about it. They follow your advice, and that trajectory Take them off, way off. If it's not God's will, it's demonic. We often, these things are subtle. They're suggestions, appealing to emotions. Think about all the arguments that people will put up against something that is right. It's always appealing to the heartstrings. Well, people should love whoever they want to love. There's no right and wrong in that. Well, what's going to happen to that child if he's born into this world and he's not wanted? What about these situations that this person became pregnant because of that? It's always pulling on the sentiment. No, it's demonic. We have to be careful. Because it's not about what you think, what you prefer, what you want, if it goes against God's will, it's demonic. You are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand firm. You are called to continually stand. Listen to what it says in verse 11 that you will be able to stand against the schemes. Verse 13, withstand the evil day. Stand firm. Verse 14, stand therefore. It's saying don't get scared and don't run. Stand your ground. We have to understand what the Christian fight is. The Christian fight is not you going out on patrol in a truck, uh, aiming uh, your weapon around uh, to see who you're going to shoot for the kingdom of God. No, 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 the devil is going to bring it to you. You got to stand your ground. You have to protect your front. What's happening in my ear gate, in my eye gate, in my house, in my church, that's what you're called to do. You are called to stand, not buckle. This is the thing. If you don't know you're in a fight, you're already losing. that's, That's number one. To be forewarned should mean that you are forearmed. The person that does not understand the nature of the problem is doomed to fail. You know what happens? We get stuck on Satan being God's enemy and we forget that Satan is a counterfeit it's always going to look good is going to be just a little off but it's going to look good enough that you look at it as a viable option that's the issue So if we are going to fight right, we have to make sure that we are fighting the right thing and that we have the right equipment. Twenty-some years ago, I was a superintendent for this plumbing company, and I'm, I'm, I'm standing outside before the job starts. The owner is there, and we're talking about the job. And, and a new guy comes, first day in the business, and um, he is a first-year apprentice. He's about to get started. Now, he's already uh, had from the union an explanation on what to bring and, and, and what to do when he first gets to the job. The, the, the first problem was, like, his mom brought him. But, hey, he was 18, you know, he's fresh out of high school, a new job. But after that, she said, because we were working at nighttime, working in schools, uh, can one of you guys drop him off after work? It's going to be late at night, and I don't want him on a train by himself. So I said, listen, this is not school, this is work, and that's not going to happen. So she says, okay, she leaves. So I asked him, "Um, do you have all your equipment that you're supposed to have? Yeah, I got this, this, this. You got a tape measure? He says, yeah. I said, let me see it. This is what he takes out. Now, I don't know if you know what this is, but this is a tailor's tape. This is a tape measure. So I said, let me see that. And he handed it to me, and I threw it. I said, where'd you get that from? He said, my dad gave it to to me. I said, out of the sewing kit? This is a construction site. So the guy that he was going to work with, I'm not going to say his name, but he's a plumber also, and he's sitting in the front row right now. It was going to be his partner. So I said, okay, go work with that guy. And he said, look, lay him off. Just get rid of him right now. Like, this is a problem. I guess he made it in the business. But that wasn't a good first day. He came with the wrong equipment. He ignored instruction that he had. He knew what he was supposed to bring and he gave, bring something subpar. And um, World War II was a battle called the Battle of Stalingrad. This is pretty much where the Nazis really started to go down. They they went to fight, and they underestimated their opponent. Winter came, and they were not equipped, and they couldn't get supplies in. Their equipment started freezing up, and people, soldiers starved to death, and some of them died from hypothermia. 500,000 casualties on their side of the war. So we go from a tailor's tape to a tape measure, and we go from 500,000 people losing their life They were fighting the wrong fight with the wrong equipment. And Hitler was getting the information. He said, "Let, let every person stay there and hold the line. Don't give up. Verse 14 says, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth Not only do you need to fight the right fight, you need to use the right weapons. You need to have full armor. God has given you the gear you need. He's given you the gear you need. But catch this, every single one of those weapons comes from understanding the word of God. the truth. The Bible tells us your word is truth. The Bible tells us the truth will set you free. A breastplate of righteousness. There is a level of protection that you have by doing what is right. How do you know what to do in terms of right and wrong? the word of God. The shoes, the gospel of peace. How will they know unless someone tells them? How will someone tell them unless someone is sent? You know God. You know salvation because of the Power of his word for your own life and for you with your feet to go and proclaim it to others. The shield of faith. How was our faith built? By knowing God's promises and watching them come to pass in our life, which gives us a great expectation of him being faithful in our tomorrows and him doing everything he said he would do. The helmet of salvation. We have the helmet of salvation, which comes from knowing God by his word and having his spirit and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So it is confidence in the word and living out the word. And he ends with pray at all times in the spirit. With all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert. Don't get ready, stay ready. With all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. Not only for yourself are you in this fight, but for others for your spouse, for your home, for your families, for your church, for your neighborhood, for the community, for the world. God has called us to this. But know that you're not fighting alone. You're not fighting alone. You're fighting for others and with others. We have the body of believers, we have the angels fighting on our behalf, and we have God himself. You can come up worship team. Second Chronicles 20, 17 says, you will not need to fight in this battle, stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Deuteronomy 20 verse 4 says, for the Lord your God is he who goes out with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Amen. Psalms 34, 17 says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their trouble. In 2 Kings chapter 6, this army was coming against Elisha. Because they heard, this guy says what you're saying in your bedroom to Israel so they know your plans. Well, go get that guy. So it says when they came to get him. When the servant of the man of God rose up in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots were all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, do not be afraid. For those that are with us are more than those that are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Can anything touch you? But you need to know who you're fighting. And you need to know your weapons of warfare. And like I just read, it's about the word of God. You can't afford to engage in Christianity light. You will be ill-equipped. Just like that guy bringing a tailor's tape to a construction site. Just like those soldiers that starve to death in the cold. What a way to die. You'd better off being shot. We got to know what's at stake. We're talking about souls. We're talking about the souls of our family. Stand firm and be equipped and recognize the fight. But know the war is already won, victory is already yours. But the enemy wants to drag you down if he can. So be equipped. Open your word. Take it serious. Like I said, if you don't know that you're in a fight, you've already lost, and they're taking no prisoners, and they'll take your family with them. That's why every week is the word, the word, the word, the word. That's what's going to bring about Victory because he can't mess with your mind when it's guarded by the truth. We should love God's word. First off, it's because it tells us about who he is. It's not that I love my wife because of the words that she tells me it's because the words that she tells me aligns with how she treats me and I can recognize how she treats me from the words that she tells me often no no no. we love God God has spoken in his word his word is powerful His word is for you to understand his heart, for you who he is and how to stand. Oh, how good is our God. Ephesians 2.19 to 22 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens Would you stand, family? Father, we thank you that the victory is already won. And we ask that you would keep us, Lord. Let us use the weapons that you've given us, Lord, so we can stand. We are to be participants in the Lord's army. We are to be alert. Fiery darts come our way. But when we have our proper protective personal. Equipment on can't harm us. Help us to see behind what people say so that we can love them but recognize when they're being influenced by the enemy. That we would have compassion for the loss that we would be aware of what the right fight is that we would be on our needs engaging in spiritual warfare that we would know your word so we would not be fooled that the snares of the enemy would have no effect on us But we thank you, Lord, that which as diligent as we can be, you keep your children, Lord. We are under the shadow of the Almighty's wings, Lord. You are our fortress and our refuge, Lord. We pray for that one Lord that didn't recognize that there's powers and principalities all around in the unseen realm, that your spirit hovers over your people, that you dwell with your people and in your people, that Jesus Christ came down and won the victory, put the demons to shame and running, And if they are not in you, they're being victimized. Would you have them repent, Lord? Look to the finished work on the cross that you did. That they would no longer be slaves to sin, but bond servants to the Lord Jesus Christ. Loving him because he first loved them We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. We are not afraid because we know who fights for us, Lord. But you call us to be aware, to have our weapons of warfare, and to stand. So would you help us do that, Lord? We give you all the glory because you deserve it, Lord. Have your way amongst your people, Lord. And as you build this church, these individuals, their families, their marriages, wherever you send us, Lord, the gospel of peace, that our ministry that you've given us the ministry of reconciliation, that we would go to others and plead, be reconciled to God. Because you've made a way, Lord. And that's what the enemy wants to prevent. But he can't. Those people, Lord, each and every one of us, Deepen our devotion and desire to know you, Lord. You are so good, Lord. And we thank you for this time, that we are leaving this place different than we came in. The word of God says now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you Completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. I am convinced and I am confident of this very thing. He that began a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, the time when he returns. He's coming back, family. And for that, we will give him glory. God bless you, family. Let's meet in the lodge together and spend some time speaking of the goodness of God. Amen?